is Andy Wakefield, and this is the Andy Wakefield Podcast. This is a place where stories are told that have never been heard before. Welcome to the Wakefield Q&A. We're so pleased today to be reporting to you from the road. Andy and I have been blitzing with the film all across the United States. It's been incredibly exciting to see crowds that have been coming out for the film. and. It's, not, it's happening not just in America, but it's also happening in the UK. And we are so privileged to have Nurse Kate with us today. Andy, what a pleasure. One of your fellow countrywomen. And I can't even say your last name, Kate, so you're going to have to pronounce it for us. Um, Shemi Rani. Shemi Rani. Kate Shemi Rani. Where does that name come from, Kate? It's actually, um, it's my ex-husband's. He's from Iran. But um, I was with him. I've had, have had that name longer than I've had my English name, and it's my children's name, so I hung on to it. Wonderful. Makes me a little bit more infamous. Kate, it's wonderful to have you here. and um, Pleasure to be with you. It's a great honour. We're here in, uh, in Salt Lake. Or, no, we're no, not in Salt Lake. We, we moved down. We're we in are. South Utah. <laughs> we, yes. Somewhere in southern Utah in the high desert. I've That's rolled out of bed in my PJs. I don't even have any makeup on. Kate, you look so beautiful. Uh, I just was. I just had to run upstairs and put lipstick on, and I, and I'm just getting my voice back from doing yeah. so many um, shouty lives for the last few months. Okay, so, tell us, tell so us, exciting. how did you become the most dangerous woman in the UK? It started actually. Um, it would be almost nine years ago. Um, I was diagnosed with lobular invasive grade three breast cancer. I, I had quickly had surgery, double mastectomy, and a reconstruction. Because we had private healthcare, you know about the NHS, private healthcare, it's two completely different things. Even the treatment is different. I went into hospital, my ex-husband, it was an amazing scientist, and he basically researched. And I went into hospital gripping the, the China study and Dr. Gerson's report of 50 cases. So I began to read a little bit of that. And on day two with five drains, I said I'd made a huge mistake and I went home. And... Um, a few days later, I commenced the full Gerson therapy, mistletoe injections, B17 tablet protocol, and high-dose vitamin C. I was to read three more studies, peer-reviewed evidence-based studies, that if I had done everything on the menu, um, I had a 20% chance of getting to two years and zero for five. Okay, so that kind of... They wanted me to have chemotherapy and radiation. They wanted me to have um, surgery, no, chemotherapy, radiotherapy, tamoxifen, Zolodex. I didn't do any of that. I just did the surgery. And uh, that was almost nine years ago. And, um, but of course, uh, it set me on a, a path of why, why did I actually get cancer? Because it's cause and effect. So we went down everything. And, and I'd been a nurse. Uh, I'd had all my vaccinations as a child, vaccinations as a nurse. And then I'd had, I was cabin crew for 10 years for BA, the world's favorite airline. And, um, and I'd had endless more vaccines. And only to then discover that um, cancer amongst cabin crew was 10 times greater than the national average, or the national average is one in two. Wow, I did So not. I then began, yeah. So I, it's 10 times greater than that. And all my colleagues that all had breast cancer, everyone that I knew, we all had autoimmune thyroiditis. So of course I then, it's like at the layers of an onion, then you start unpeeling them. And uh, we then ordered your books and, and no one had iPhones then. So the Gerson therapy, anyone who knows it, you do five coffee enemas a day. Well, I did for two years. And I had four young children, 90 miles a day, getting them to school and activities. So I literally ran my house like a military camp. 
we didn't have any help, no, no family in the UK, just myself, my ex-husband and my four kids. And I, I just got on with it. But during those times of enema was a, a time of great de-education and re-education. And, and I realized that actually as a nurse, I'd been completely brainwashed. I'd been lied to. I had been uh, not only misinformed, I'd been deceived. I'd actively been deceived. And then you, you, know, you start going back and back and you learn about the, the allopathic medical system with J.D. Rockefeller. But of course, oncology uh, became my big thing. And, and it was a huge lie. It was a crime. It was genocide on a grand scale. And, um, and then, you know, for me, it was really simple. In order for one to create customers, one had to get them as young as possible. So the whole vaccination was to create customers throughout their lives. So in order to get everybody to have autoimmune diseases, cancers, brain disorders and everything else, you had to fill them full of vaccines first. You had to create the problem to treat the problem and, and charge them for the privilege all the way along, including their death and disposal. So that was the, the point that I came to. And then I um, changed my whole course of my um, job. Of course, I didn't die <laughs> and I kept staying alive. And my children, two of my children, it was evident, were vaccine damaged. One with postural orthostatic tachycardia, and he's like a giant. And the other one was Reynolds, which the more I dug, the more I found everything went back to vaccines. Everything just kept going back to vaccines. And, um, and, and then all of a sudden... Saying, that postural tachycardia, was that, a, was that the HPV vaccine? No, it was the um, uh, TB vaccine that was given to my um, twins when they were five weeks premature. On is day two, in the UK, TB is protocol. TB vaccine. The, um, if, if they're Middle Eastern, their children are half Middle Eastern. Okay. So yeah. they like to get them straight straight away. Even though there was no evidence of TB in your husband or your family. No, no, no evidence. And my children were mixed race. So my twins were two days old, premature. So on the day that they were um, given this vaccine, they were um, five pounds six and four pounds and so they were given this vaccine and of course at the time uh my my son started growling and he didn't stop growling he's got videos of him just growling this premature baby growling and my daughter just slept and slept and slept she has gut issues um she was very very thin she had to go and have uh, um investigations um she gets lots of bloating and she gets full on Reynolds right she's got really poor circulation in the window, her entire half a hand goes white. Never, ever, ever heard of that in a child. Well, they're both gut issues because the way I treated my son's postural orthostatic tachycardia, he couldn't stand up, he was in recess twice, is I just treated it with detoxing, chlorella, cilantro, green juices, carrot apple juice, and putting him on a beamer mat, which a beamer mat causes um, exponential yeah. increase in oxygenation to all the cells. What a yeah. strong mama. That is amazing. That is just so oh, you asked those teenagers, they didn't like it. My son woke up one morning after and I and I put them on to pure body zeolite. Um, the drops for the organs, the spray for the brain. Anyway, I hit my son with everything until one morning he couldn't even move. He said, You're killing me. <laughs> but he lost so much weight because of course they um you know, all of these heavy metals in the guts. And the doctor did actually say to me, I don't have any parents that have done what you'll do. And there is a link, because of course it used to be called yucky flu. But he, there was no help for him on the NHS. The waiting list to see the consultant was a year. 
So I had to pay everything privately. And, and then even though he had signs and symptoms of Marfan's, he had a hollowing in his chest. He was six foot seven. He was only 18. His dad's only five foot nine. He's Asian, so he's shorter. And nobody would diagnose him as that because as soon as they diagnose, then they have, they're accountable from a professional point of view and a reputational point of view. So there's all these politics going on in this, what I can only call the, the Nazification of the NHS, because that is what it is. It's been Nazified. So this, this continued, and, and, and then I ended up working on a local radio as the health and wellness expert. I never gave myself that title. And I would push it right up into, right up until bombs on edge of seats, you know, as far as I could go without the NMC coming after me. And I went through all the vitamins and minerals, even to the point of, you know, we see people now in the hospitals with scurvy, elderly with scurvy. And the recommended daily amount, I think, is 65 milligrams just to keep you over the precipice of getting scurvy. So um, I then went um, and, um, and I had this building nutrition business, but I also had a, an aesthetics business. I was doing the radio and I went to university to do my master's level prescriber course, independent nurse prescriber. And I can only say I was in a room with about 60 people and it put the fear of God in me that these nurses and pharmacists were going to be soon let loose with a prescription pad and prescribing for the general public, the greater public. And they didn't know anything. They didn't know how to heal a body. They were completely brainwashed on vaccines. And of course, I've always been one of those people. I, I'm very happy to get a soapbox out and stand on my own and argue. I don't need an army. And I was in a particular room with a um, professor of pharmacology, whatever she wanted to call herself, witchcraft and sorcery, I'd call it. You've been listening to the Andy Wakefield Podcast. To continue the conversation, go to 1986theact.com slash membership, where for $5 a month, you can subscribe and access the Andy Wakefield Podcast in its entirety and much more. Thank you.